Welcome to Douglas Wilson's The Plodcast. Before we jump in, I wanted to alert Amazon Prime members that out now, exclusively on Amazon Prime Video, Douglas Wilson's Man Rampant. Join Doug and his guests as they have uncompromising conversations about Christianity, leadership, and masculinity. These topics are sure to get you in trouble, and they might even change your life. Sacred cows beware. Most importantly, if you do take the time to watch and you enjoy those, we would really ask that you rate and review them right there on Amazon Prime. All of the great reviews mean a lot to us. And without further ado, the podcast. Welcome to Plodcast, episode 116. We have come to the the 116th episode of the Plodcast. Can you believe it? So today, as I'm recording this, um, I don't know what day it'll be listening to it, but uh, as I'm recording this, it is the 70th anniversary of communist rule in China. 70th anniversary of communist rule in China. Now, one of the unfortunate aspects of this, and there are a lot of things going on. So you have um, the uh, the communist, the the Marxist vision has is long gone. Uh, the autocrats running uh, China are are genuine dictators and genuine autocrats, but they're not really uh, dialectical, uh, materialistic Marxists. That that the pure Marxist vision has gone away, but the Communist Party has not gone away. And, uh, and they are ruling there with a heavy hand. In the meantime, uh, there's been a lot of democracy uh, agitation in Hong Kong. Hong Kong was a part of China that was uh, under British rule for many years, and the British uh, re- relinquished it to be a territory of China uh, a number of years ago, but with the understanding that Hong Kong could remain semi-autonomous. And this last summer, there was a uh, bill introduced that would allow people charged in Hong Kong to be extradited to the mainland. That led to protests, and um, and those protests rapidly grew and escalated to the point where there's a, a confrontational showdown happening in Hong Kong here on the 70th anniversary of the Communist Party uh, taking uh, taking power. Now. Uh, in the middle of this, uh, uh, President Trump, who has been, in my mind, laudably playing hardball with the Chinese on trade, uh, working out a trade negotiation, he's, he's being hard-edged and tough in trade. And I need to say something parenthetically here. I'm not a, I'm not a fan of tariffs at all. Tariffs as policy, tariffs as um, international trade policy are are bad they're negative they're not good it would be if the tariffs were applied and uh we had to live under tariffs for um 10 years it doesn't really help it's got the it has the um, the appearance of helping and because you can point to certain sectors where it does help but overall i think uh tariffs are a bad idea as policy but the threat of tariffs as um, a negotiating technique 
if you let's say um, someone threatens tariffs and at the end of the day you finally reach an agreement because the other side would be hurt by tariffs even more than you would be so my argument on tariffs is that uh if you apply tariffs um it hurts everybody but it hurts some people more than others so if you let, let let's say you bring you're in the middle of negotiating i'm not suggesting this i'm a christian i'm a pastor i'm not suggesting this this is just an illustration suppose you're negotiating a trade deal with uh, a a business um, guy across town and the and the negotiations aren't going well and you haul out a revolver and you say look do what i say or i'm going to shoot myself in the leg first and then after that i'm going to shoot you in the head okay now both parties get shot uh one not fatally and the other fatally um in this that's what uh, the threat of tariffs can be like in a lopsided trade relationship if um if tariffs would hurt american consumers and producers if tariffs would hurt americans like a bullet in the leg would hurt um but it would destroy the chinese economy that's a bullet in the head and if you're using you're using that as a negotiating technique that's a different thing than implementing tariffs as policy okay so i'm not advocating in in it's just an illustration everybody just an illustration so you're not trump is not actually shooting china in the head he's just threatening to and he's um and he's saying that if he shoots himself in the leg he didn't really he missed it won't hurt it'll be totally great so um so distinguish uh the hard language and the hard negotiating that trump is doing on things like trade from what he did in this instance which was send a congratulatory note to the president of china over 70 years of communist rule now um we live in a messed up world we live in a fallen world that means you have to you have to do business with bad actors um you cannot stipulate that all the people running all the countries all over the world uh are going to be nice people you don't get to do that so um th- there there's something um that I, I i don't object at all to the fact that we are negotiating with china or have to deal with china i mean there's a billion people there you have to you have to deal with them. but you don't have to say things like that um the communist rule in china has been the most genocidal uh rule i think uh ever and th- and that's saying something we've had we've had mass um killings before but not on the scale of uh, the communist chinese the Chi- the communist chinese have got an appalling uh track record and and so let's say um let's say in the second world war we had fought to a stalemate uh against hitler but we never developed the bomb and the and the uh and the war didn't end and germany nazi germany continued but we weren't in a state of war well we might be at a point where you had to reestablish diplomatic relations with uh germany and you might have to have your people talk to their people and you might have to work things some things out but for pity's sake, you don't send a congratulatory note 
uh, to Hitler on the 50th anniversary of his accession to power. It's just not, just not cool. Not, not done. We're continuing with podcast uh, episode 116, and we come now to hamartiology. The word apaleia, apaleia, A-P-O-L-E-I-A, apaleia, is rendered in different ways. In many cases, it refers to the consequences of a sinful life, as when it is translated as destruction. Broad is the way that leads to apaleia. That's in Matthew 7, 13. So, uh, broad is the way that leads to Apollea leads to destruction. Jesus refers to Judas as the son of Apollea, son of perdition. That's in John 17, 12. And there are, uh, in the New Testament, there are a number of uses like this. Uh, but again, this is the consequence of the sin, not the sin itself, right? So, uh, most of the time, most of the uses of Apollea in the New Testament are talking about the consequences of sin like destruction or perdition, and they're not talking about um, a sinful attitude or a, a sinful action in itself. But there are a handful of uses where uh, the word does describe sin. The Apostle Peter uses this word to describe the sinfulness of sinful heresies, and he does so when he says this. This is from 2 Peter 2.1. But there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privily shall bring in damnable heresies. And the word underneath damnable is apaleia, apaleia. Damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them, and bringing upon themselves swift destruction. So, most of the time, the word refers to the desolate end that sinners necessarily come to. But Peter extends the word to describe the sin that brings certain individuals to that sad end. So, false prophets bring in apaleo heresies, damnable heresies. And in the next verse, he says that many will follow them in their pernicious ways. Apaleo, again, for the word pernicious, with the end result of damnation in the third verse. Apaleo, he says their apaleo slumbereth not. So, that third use there is the end result of this sinning. The thing that takes them to that point is damnable heresies, uh, apaleia heresies, and pernicious ways are followed by the followers of false teachers, uh, apaleia again. So the lesson that we should take away from this is that it's possible to sin with the head as well as with the heart. Heresies are not honestly come by. They are damnable heresies, and those who follow them are following a pernicious way. A man can have leprosy in his head and not just in his hands. So, um, my book review this time is a uh, relatively short book uh, by a guy named Spencer, last name is Spencer, and the book is called Global Warming Skepticism for Busy People. Global Warming Skepticism for Busy People. Now, one of the reasons, uh, one of my reasons for being a global warming skeptic is that a scientific question has been politicized. A scientific question um, has been uh, politicized. If, if someone were maintaining that if you dropped a bowling ball uh, out of an airplane, it would 
uh, fall to the ground at 9.8 meters per second squared, um, the chances are pretty good that someone who disputed it would not be labeled a denier, a gravity denier, as though he was, should be lumped in with um, Holocaust deniers. He might be called a blockhead. He, he might be called someone who can't follow an argument, but he's, um, it wouldn't be a moral issue. But for, for people who are on this climate change crusade, it really is a religious crusade. It really is, uh, there's a, a religious fervor that is involved uh, in it such that people, people who deny that this is what's happening are, are denying the true faith. They are, they are not just mistaken, they are evil. So rather than call yourself, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't want to call myself a climate denier, not at all. I mean, climate's there. And it might even be, the, the temperatures might be increasing. We don't know. Um, but if it is, we, first, we don't know if the temperatures are increasing. We don't know, secondly, if men are causing it. If men are causing it, we don't know if we can do anything about it. And fourth, we don't know if, if, it's, cause, if it's happening and, and we're causing it and we can't do anything about it. We don't know whether it's a bad thing or not. Rather than call that set of questions uh, denial, I'd prefer to call them as this, uh, uh, the title of this book does, uh, Climate Skeptics. So certain claims are being made about the, uh, the temperatures of the climate, climate change. Certain claims are being made. And if you don't believe those claims, if you think those claims are unproven, un, not established, then a good name for it would be skepticism. Uh, this book, Global Warming Skepticism for Busy People, is, like I said, short. But at the same time, it, uh, it uh, parses out the issues carefully. It's not, uh, it, it's not a cartoon book where, you know, ha, 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 it's the flaming ball of gas in the sky, stupid. It's not that kind of argumentation. It's a, it's a, it's a careful scientific uh, treatment of the basic questions that uh, go, into, uh, go into all this. And if you're a busy person but you'd like to get up to speed, this is the book for you, Global Warming Skepticism for Busy People.